Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to tell you about SVPod, hosted by Scott Van Pelt alongside Stanford Steve. This podcast brings you high-level sports analysis, as well as stories of two dads raising kids. Plus, find out every Tuesday what they hate and see if you agree. That's SVPod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, offers exclusive content Monday to Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there will be a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Chenea Gumake, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, Woj, Ramona Shelbourne, and many of our NBA reporters from around the league. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap, and also available as a podcast. Listen to NBA Today wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Ryan Clark. And today we have a loaded show. We're going to talk about UFC 270. We're also going to be joined by the coach of the new champion, Davidson Figueredo, and the almighty Bobby Lashley. Stops by to join us before his big match at the Royal Rumble against Brock Lesnar. Then, as always, we got to tap in and tap out. But, Ryan, before we can get to all that, we got to go back a little bit. UFC 270. Francis Ngannou retains his championship by beating his former teammate Cyril Ghosn in the most unimaginable way. wrestling match, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? Who would have thought? DC, DC, I was like, did Daniel Cormier train Francis Ngannou? It was... So, first off, let me say this. Let's put the Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury stuff to bed. Let's put that to bed. You're done, you're done with that. I'm, I'm done with that. When watching uh, Surreal Gone kind of outclass him, at least from a skill standpoint, on his feet, he don't want to see Tyson Fury like that, bro. Tyson Fury is beating men that's built to do it that way. But I will say this. Francis being able to make that adjustment shows me how he's kind of come full circle. Because against mm-hmm. Stipe Miocic in the first fight, he couldn't do that, right? He, he, he couldn't figure that part of the fight out. And so to see Francis adjust and take Surreal to the ground and really dominate him on the mat, to me, that shows that Francis Ngannou really is a champion, not just a puncher. You know, first off, Ryan, first off, like, can you put Ryan on camera real quick? First off, can somebody get my boy Francis some bigger shorts? Because, I mean... Those small shorts with all that leg space between the knee pads, that was, it a, was visual. a lot, bro. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot for the champ to come out in those tiny shorts. But ultimately, when the fight started, Francis was in trouble, man. Yes. He was behind. First two Cyril. rounds. Cyril, dude, he was on 2 0. Yep. And then he body slams him. Cyril throws that kick. Francis picks him up and body slams yep. him. I could not believe my eyes because I thought, okay, sometimes that happens. But then as we go forward, all of a sudden, Francis Donald gets a double leg. And then it seems as though the intent is to grapple. Yep. Crazy turn of events for me. Now, honestly, for as big a swerve as that was for Cyril Gunn, for me, it all came down to round five. Those guys are fighting. Cyril gets the takedown. Yep. Which is... Francis with really an amazing scramble and reversal, though, bro. Yes. Bro, but no, but listen, though, RC, that's the thing. Great reversal, but 
You know who got no sleep on Saturday night and probably still up licking his wounds? Cyril Gaon. He made an absolute pedestrian mistake in the fifth round. Okay. Because he's on top, mm -hmm. and it looked as though Francis was settling in to just kind of ride out the time. Francis was exhausted. Yep. Cyril was exhausted. Francis tried to hip escape, underhook. Cyril defended it. Francis went back to his back, and he was laying there flat, Ryan. Mm -hmm. And then Cyril gone tries to fall back into a leg lock. That takes your weight off of the guy. And then Francis sat back up into him. Right. Dude, that was a mistake that Cyril will have to live with for a very long time. Because Is bro, it something you saw right away, I DC? You saw it when it right happened? Away. Bro, we're in the, at the commentary table. I, I go, Rogan, oh, my God. I said, oh, my goodness, he made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I told Rogan it right away. I go, he made a mistake. Because ultimately, it seemed, and I can't say as a guarantee, yep. but it seemed as though Francis was starting to settle in, like, you know what, dude got me on my back. This is what There's it is. three minutes left. And we've seen this before, right? right? With Stipe. Francis got to the end of the fight, but Francis got to the end of the fight by kind of just resting and recovering, not trying to get finished. Mm -hmm. It looked like he was settling in, man, and Cyril gone. May have been on top of him for another two and a half minutes, and he would have won the fight. Won the it fight. literally came DC. down to one mistake. So, it was so crazy. DC, we, we kind of talked about this before the show, and the the, the striking of Cyril, of Cyril Gan was was sharp, right? The, the, the jab was working, yes. but it didn't seem like he was he was trying to deliver much punishment, or that those yeah. punches had a ton of power behind it. And then when you watch. Francis get takedown after takedown after takedown, you started to see, okay, and maybe his takedown defense isn't what we thought early on in his UFC career. And after it all comes full circle, you almost go, was this moment a little too big for Cyril, for, for Cyril Gaon? Because we're looking I, at it. We talked about all the things Francis had going on before this fight, yeah. but he was the one that dug deep, switched some things up, and Dude. won. Was it a little too big for, uh, for Cyril Gaon? It was very impressed. I was very impressed with Francis making those adjustments. So uh, make no mistake about it when I say it was Cyril's mistake. But we're talking about a guy that's ten and zero that has yeah. been fighting MMA for like two and a half, three years. So right. a young guy like that is going to make mistakes, especially in those big moments. It really is a credit to Cyril to be in this position because nobody's there that fast. But I don't know if the moment was too big. I just don't know if he was prepared because the reality is this. Francis did a really good job getting the takedown with the double leg. But everything else was Francis literally being so big and, and physically strong. But Cyril's big like, and strong, though, DC. Yeah, but Ryan, it's dude, different. they look the same size at weigh-ins. Francis had to be 270 inside the octagon, it looked like. He right. was way bigger. Okay. His leg, this dude's thigh was the biggest thigh That's probably why his shorts are so little. No, it looked like it, no, it looked like when he put them shorts on, they went up because his leg was so much bigger than it was. DC, he, so he weighed two sixty. They weighed him. They so they're telling me in my ear that he was two sixty during the fight, but he looked like he gained right so much weight. Gone was two forty. So Cyril might have lost. Like Lost Cyril might have been a little lighter, a couple pounds lighter. But dude, Francis was so much bigger that he was just getting to his body, and it's like Ryan, you've wrestled with people before, yeah. You wrestling with a guy around your size when you guys are playing around is okay. Mm -hmm. But the moment that big dude grabs you, the offensive you can lineman, do. You can do. nothing you can do. And that, right. that's what I felt like happened with so, Cyril and Francis. You know, you, you talked about Cyril being 10-0 and 0 and only being two and a half years. And, and that's a real fast track to get an opportunity not only to be an interim champion, but to be the undisputed champion. 
And yep. it almost seemed that Dana and the organization was pushing him to be the guy. There's no John Jones. Mm. Stipe can't really mm. get a fight. And we all know kind of the contentious position it's been in negotiations with Francis Ngannou. So the fight ends, and immediately the first thing I mm. see is Dana's not in the octagon. That's the, Big that, that, that's the, that's mm -hmm. the first thing that I see. When you see this happen, DC, does this kind of strike you as odd? Do you, you understand know, it? Is it something that normally happens? Or are you like, nah, no. something's afoot here that's different? Because this is the, well, heaven, this the baddest man in the world, DC. Bro, honestly, it wasn't even just the belt. I don't think Dana was there for the main event. I didn't see him. Wow. Right? So when, so when Mick Maynard got up to go and put the belt on, granted, we have seen this in heavyweights before. Do you remember when Stipe beat? I don't know who he beat. Um, Francis. It was Francis. Mm -hmm. When Stipe was upset by the way that Francis was getting promoted, um, he took the belt from Dana and put his coach put it on him. Right. So we've seen these types of things before. That's different, though. So, yeah, I get it. But, like, it was the, it was the athlete being upset with the, the promotion. So he right. didn't let him. This was, uh, right. I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen... I've seen other guys strap the belts before, but generally in international events. This was the first time I've seen a champion win on USO and not have Dana put the belt on there. And I honestly don't know the last time right. Dana has not been at a post-fight press conference. Right. So this is they, we, we are in uncharted yes. waters here. But but not only because of the reaction the UFC's given, Ryan, but also because of where Francis stands in this position. Mm -hmm. Francis is in a position that not many people get to in regards to negotiations. Okay. And seems as though he's more than willing to sit up on his die on his sword and die on him. He took a chance on himself. Yeah. And he and it seems as though he won. Yep. Yep. Because now he's still the champion. And now we're gonna see this is unprecedented. This is going to really tell you how. Uh, people are going to go about their negotiations because we've never seen this before. So here's my question, DC. I remember, bro, probably a few weeks into this show, we are talking about Francis Ngannou, uh, Cyril Gan beats Derek Lewis, and you're saying that, okay, right now I take Cyril over Francis. Well, you were wrong, mm -hmm. Francis, first and foremost. Right? <laughs> but, but you also... I think a lot of people did, right? right he was yeah, a favorite. A lot of people, yeah. And so you also brought up John Jones. And we were talking mm -hmm. about could either of these two men beat John Jones? Could John Jones beat either of these two men? And John Jones said in his tweet, if this is the apex of heavyweight fighting, I'm excited about it. I got some more records to break. And then he says, I love how everyone gets so impressed with the new guy, laugh out loud. He's like, y'all ready for daddy? Another LOL to finish that one up. And so when you look at John Jones tweets, it almost seems that watching that fight with the two guys that are supposed to be mm -hmm. tops of the heavyweight division, he's actually more encouraged or has more confidence that he could be the heavyweight champ of the world. Does the fight in any way change your mind of how you saw these guys against John Jones? Does Francis adding the wrestling make you mm -hmm. think, okay, now he has not only the stand-up power, but he could take him to the ground as well. You know, you got to remember, Francis Ngannou, the reason Cyril Ghosn doesn't attack him in the way that he does other guys is because the danger is so present against Francis. That will never uh, subside. He will always present that problem for anyone. 
Now, for Jones, he looks at that and he gains confidence from watching them in the fight and the fight playing out the way that it does. Because if Francis has to use wrestling, he feels as though he's a better wrestler. Right. He will be able to handle that, especially if he can avoid the power. Um, for me, it's about John Jones needs to fight, right? Yes, somebody. At some point, you got to fight. Right. right? You got to fight. Like, it's, it's one thing to be the champion, defending, fighting, or getting away. Even when him and I were going through our thing, he would get suspended, but then he would come back and he would fight. Even if that meant fighting over in St. Prue whenever I was hurt. But ultimately, he was fighting. Right now, he's just talking. It's like, he's just talking, RC. It's like, when are you going to fight? Because for as bad as it was, Francis had torn meniscus. Mm -hmm. Francis was hurt. Francis had bad training camp. Yeah. All these things. Francis still fought. So you can say, well, they're not that good. But ultimately, they're still in there doing their thing. Why aren't you in there doing your thing? Right. You are one of the most talented mixed martial artists of all time. Why aren't you in there doing your thing against these guys opposed to judging them? Because for yeah. all the bad blood and all the bad stuff between Francis and the UFC right now, he fought. Francis still went out there. Mm -hmm. He went out there, he fought hurt, and he got a victory. So look, if you're going to judge the apex predator that Francis is on last weekend, know that you're judging a wounded apex yeah. predator. So you may think, that he's not as good now right. because of what you saw, but maybe you're just putting yourself up for a bigger disappointment yeah. when you do finally make That's that true. jump. You know, and the other thing is this, too. Our opponents, right, also limit our success. If I'm fighting someone that I'm completely better than, of course I look amazing. But if you're fighting another person who's one of the best in the world and you're also nicked up, it's going to be an issue. You're going to have to adjust. You're going to deal with some adversity. That's the way it goes. And Chris Brown, man, in one of his songs, he got a, he got a, a, a line, and he say, how are you going to hate from outside the club? You can't even yeah, get in. Yeah, dude. Like, dude, you know, you got to so, fight. Right, and so you got to fight. But the co-main event was probably more exciting and, I'm, in my opinion, even closer than the main event with the heavyweights, and that's Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. I thought this fight, one, it was intriguing because of the way the first two fights went, right? An absolute classic in the first fight. And then Brandon Moreno dominates Davidson Figueredo in the second fight. And now we have this back and forth, forth match that ends up in a split decision. And I'm going to be honest with you, DC, halfway through the fifth, you still don't know who's going to win. And I remember when the... When, when it was announced that Davidson Figueredo was the champ, the first thing I texted the group chat was, good call. And you immediately said, yes. Tell me why you believe that Davidson Figueredo was the winner. So, so it was moments, right? And I cannot wait until we're joined by Henry Cejudo to talk about these moments. Yeah. These moments that dictate the fight. But if you look at the scorecards, now this is where the, 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 the con confusion is built. Round number four, which I thought, was Brandon Moreno's best round. Me too. Two judges gave it to Davidson Figueredo. Yeah. That's where the confusion, I think, lied. Because mm -hmm. I thought Moreno won uh, round two, round four. Figgy won one and three. And then round five kind of determined who was going to win the fight. And I and thought he, Brandon Moreno and, fought a pretty good fifth round. And he, but he, really got, he got dropped in the fifth, though, didn't he? He did get dropped. He yep. got dropped in all the rounds that I outside of round one, yep. where Davidson just landed more. Mm -hmm. Round three, he got dropped. Yep. Round five, he got dropped. 
So two and three and five, easy. But round four, it felt like Brandon Moreno, after getting up off the campus, had his best round. Yes. And two judges scored yep. it on the opposite side. So it, it's 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 in the scoring where there becomes issues. Now, forget about the issues with the scoring. It, no one was upset that Figueredo won the fight. No, it I was agree. a close fight. Yep. You're not mad with whoever the victor was. But what it did do is deliver. Davison Figueredo showed that in four months, he changed who he is as a fighter. Outside of the last 20 seconds of round number five, he was actually able to stay within himself. That that destroyer, that that brute that he has come to be known as a fighter was put on the back burner for a yeah. long time until the very end of round five, he kind of started throwing caution to the wind. That showed that this dude doesn't have to just knock you out anymore. He can go 25 minutes and get the job done yeah. against a very, very tough, very well-trained Brandon Moreno in enemy territory because, bro, when Brandon Moreno hit the curtain, crazy. That place went. Cr- there were so many Mexican flags in there. That's it awesome, was unreal. Bro. Felt like we were back in Mexico City when came last. But guess do, hey, do, do, doesn't that bring you to like back back to to boxing too? Right when when we had all of these these great Mexican fighters and you know. They, they, they would come out and it was like they had the whole nation behind them. It really seemed that way for Brandon Moreno, which makes it even more impressive that Davidson Figueredo is, even, is able to remain composed. I think the one thing yep. that always stands out to me when these two fights is, t- these two fight is the Davidson Figueredo that I became familiar with was an absolute killer. When the, glo- yep. when the gloves touched you, it was likely the end of the fight. And Brandon Moreno has somehow totally taken that part of the fight out of it with Davidson Figueredo. Even with the knockdowns, he pops right back up and he's right back into pressuring Davidson Figueredo. And so I think it's amazing that he was able to adjust, whether it's from the first fight to now, the second fight to now, to become someone who understands, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the, the, the front leg kick every time I have it. I'm going to stop the movement, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. and I'm going to learn different ways to to win. But after watching this, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this ending in a trilogy, DC. Mm-hmm. Is it well, is, is this the rare time a fourth fight is warranted? Well, when you're one one one, right? We went one each side in a draw. So right. then you can say, "Hey, why don't these guys fight again?" Now, Brandon Moreno has improved to the point that not many people recognize the guy from before. But Figgy, once again, has gotten better. And he also landed takedowns when he needed to. He controlled him against the side of the octagon when he needed to. But it was ultimately his power what really did dictate the fight, as we have come to know from Davis and Figueredo. When you say Ford fight, I say sign me up. I mean, especially right. when they're both saying, let's do it in Mexico City. Yeah. If, if Anaheim was crazy and it was an hour and a half away from Tijuana, because I, I love the way Brandon Juan, I, I love the way Brandon Moreno says Tijuana. He goes, <laughs> Tijuana, Tijuana. He said, they're right <laughs> close to Tijuana. I love that. If they bring that fight to Mexico City, that place will be on fire. And for Henry Cejudo to be in the corner yeah. of the Brazilian going into Mexico City, I, Ryan, you place know that's the type of hey, stuff I love. Hey, I'm going to have you to come down there, bro. Hey, you because you, you petty. Hey, bro, because you <laughs> petty and you're messy. But you know what, though? <laughs> Hey, for, for, for all of the former champs I know, this would be one, you, right? You're the pet, you're the pettiest and the most messy, but there may be a former champ, right, that's a little bit more petty and messier than you, and that's Harry Cejudo, and we got him coming up. 
So I just got the word that we are now joined by Henry Cejudo, an Olympic teammate of mine, another UFC <laughs> double champion, a guy I have not spoke to since I saw him so recklessly training my arch rival. So for the first time since I saw you wow. with John Jones, Henry Cejudo, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing good, DC. <laughs> There's nothing like... Uh, I tell you what, man, there's nothing like, you know, being a world champion, you know the feeling, man, the emotion that, that you know, what happens when you win a world title, man, that's precious, man. But, like, being able to help out Davidson for the last four months and be coming out here to coming out here to Phoenix and actually training with me, it's just, it's priceless, man. It's, mm -hmm. it's just as good, DC. I think you know that. I think you become more nervous for your fighter than when, yeah. when you're actually going to fight, you know, so it's a trip. So Henry, go, go nine to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, listen, I already see the crown, bro. We got the belt pillow, everything. I'm I'm constantly reminded by DC that he's a two division champ. He never he never <laughs> lets me forget, man. And we all remember what you've done, man. Whether it's Demetrius Johnson, oh. T.J. Dillashaw, going into the fight though. Did you know what Davison had to do? And when you were sitting on on the side of the octagon, were you, what were you telling him to get him through that fight with Marino? And and this is the cool part, RC, too, because th there's a psychology of it, too. And I think uh, years of experience through wrestling, uh -huh. through mixed martial arts, it has all prepared me to, you know, to, to be the best coach that I could be. And uh, I remember before we went up to actually fight, I'm like, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> That's exactly what you're going to hear when we go out there. And you know what that means? That means you got to embrace that shit. Right. Because these people want you to lose. They're literally bringing you out here to sacrifice you in front of all these Mexican people. And guess what? That goes for me too. Right. And I said, when you go out there, man, you cheer that crowd in and let them know that we are here to fight. The key plan to this fight was to bring that, to, to, to be composed, man, to be disciplined, to kick that front leg out and, and take away his ability. Because once we took that front leg out, it was perfect. It was brilliant. Mm -hmm. It was the same thing that I did with Dominic Cruz. You know, right. we yes. have similar stance. Yeah. I, was, I was able to adjust his stance. And I do believe with a fighter like that, like everybody's breakable. Yeah. And I think this next time around, DC, the game plan will change and it will be different, man, because we're constantly thinking. I mean, Henry, like right away I said it. I said it. I was like, oh, he's, he has stances more reminiscent of Henry's. Yeah. Right? Because you can see him kind of almost in that karate stance with his head and chest back a little bit, throwing the kicks, really trying to slow Moreno down. But when we got to the end of the fifth round, very competitive rounds, mm -hmm. at least in my eyes. But did you guys think you had done enough? And it seemed as though there were some swing rounds in there, and the knockdowns by Figueredo yeah, are what huge. allowed for him to get the decision. Yeah, uh, no, of course, man. You know, we beat him with we beat him with power. We knocked him down, I think, a few times in that fight. And then, and then with the takedowns, with the wrestling control, even when you get somebody against the cage, you're able to eat up that time. Man, judges see that. This is the right. same reason. I, I go back to my Demetrius Johnson, uh, mm -hmm. DC. And you know, you know why the reason why I even beat Demetrius Johnson is because I controlled more of the time. Yeah, he might have hit me just a little bit more, but I was able to mm -hmm. press him. I yeah. was able to smack my hands and call, come on, let's yeah. fight in the last 10 seconds. And in other words, I want to say that I know how to steal rounds, dude. And like, opportunistic, <laughs> exactly. Opportun also, opportunistic takedowns. Against DJ, you got yeah. takedowns in the right moments mm -hmm. that really did like hammer home the rounds. And I think that's what ultimately got you the decision. And I think Davidson did the same yeah. thing last weekend with those knockdowns. Yeah. But here's my question yeah. though, Henry. Like it's cool to talk about Coach Henry. I like Coach Henry. Coach Henry, you know, he had John Jones, so Coach Henry ain't my favorite coach. He's not our favorite. He's not, he's not our favorite coach. 
But he ain't our favorite. Listen, we see <laughs> every time someone, you know, in some of the smaller weight classes win, wins, your name comes up. Could, could, could Henry Cejudo be, the, Cejudo be the next to fight him? When you're on the side of that octagon coaching and you see your fighter get that belt after the fight, that doesn't give you that Man. itch that it's about time you get back in there? My legacy is um, my legacy is untouched, man. You have many double chats without doing the DC, man. There's only one triple C. There's only one thing that motivates me, and I want to be rich like DC and RC. So give me a bag full of money, <laughs> and let me, let me make them all bend the knee. Right. Like, listen, man, I tell you what, man, I would love to beat that ugly potato face, Peter Young, in Russia. Mm. All, all you go, all, you all going to Russia like Rocky? Hell yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. I'm going out to like Rocky in style with my Gucci shoes, chinchilla suit. I'm going out there. I'm gonna, dude, I will massacre that dude in front of his own country. The, the only thing is, man, is that's it, man. I just want that back full of money, man. Right. I believe I deserve it. I'm actually enjoying coaching right now. I just – I have Jean Wei Lee because if you really see that fight, in my opinion, man, like the way I see it as a competitor – she won those first three rounds, man. The mm. takedowns, everything that she did. Okay, we, we lost in a split decision. You know that's and then we have we have Chris Sarver who's going to be coming out and training. I have Yuri who's coming out mm-hmm. next month. Okay, he's going to be fighting against Glover Teixeira. So now it's so now it's me against Brazil now. But, but, so, so, so you're, you're getting, getting all the you're champs. Getting, you're getting high level. You're getting high yeah. level athletes that are seeking you out, Henry. Now why though? Because just because of the mentality, you think mm. these guys just recognize? Look, we say it all the time on the broadcast. Henry Cejudo's a winner, right? Yep. So even though I get mad at you that I might put an expletive Henry Cejudo, <laughs> the reality is Henry Cejudo's a winner. And you think people are just Literally, recognizing that? Or are you reaching out to these people and saying, hey, come train with me? No, 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 no. They, they, they just reached me. They just – can I put my crown away for a minute? Can I put the cringe aside? Well, yeah, you we know it. you're the king, bro. We know you're the king. <laughs> the, the, peop- the, people, the, people that truly, the people that truly know me, like obviously I'm a goofball, man. I love to have fun. But if you're the people that really know me, they're like, What's one word that you would describe Henry Cejudo? And they all say, man, that dude is smart as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. Like, there's, there's a method to his madness. And I just think, man, the experiences that I have through, I call it, I call it mind-body science and how I'm able to collaborate these things. Like, the way I train, I train like a professional uh, uh, DC. I, I train according to my ability. Mm-hmm. And the coach's job is to adapt right. to, the, to, to the fighter because they are all different. But you have to make sure that they're fundamentally sound. And it's like you, you want to have fun throughout training, but you also want to compete. And there's only really a couple of times out of the week that you really have to compete. Well, I feel like there's a lot of time that people can, can get uh, overtrained or they don't know how to train or, 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 or they think every day is a competition. Yeah. It's like, no, dude, it's about learning. It's about learning. And then you demonstrate at the end of the week, what is it that you, what is it that you learn? So I've been able to come up with the, I've been able to come up with the, with the, with the program. It's called, I call it the art of war, man. I call it mind-body science. And uh, how how you have to connect all that, understanding your threshold. How is it that you finish the race? Mm-hmm. It's like when I fought Marlon Marais, and I even showed Marlon Marais that plan, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm good friends with Ali, and obviously we represent each other. And I'm like, I'm like Marlon, when you fought me, you just you gave me everything you had within those two months. Do you not knowing how strong I am and how much I can endure pain? Right. I said you need to understand the numbers game because you only understand one level. You don't understand what a what a level five or a level six feels like because you're so because you so because you got accustomed to beating people up at a level ten. Right. What happens when you what happens somebody can survive that? Yeah, I ended up stopping them. I was like, you're so technical, you're so good, and uh, you know what I mean. That's just a yeah. slight example, but it's yeah. it's structuring man. Like I, 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 this is a business, bro. Like this is yeah. Listen, this is a fighting good. 
This is to find good people. This is to find the right people to take it right. to the promised land. Listening to your strategic approach to whether it's coaching, fighting, whatever it is, it seems like you always have a plan. And that plan is to win. But when I ask you, what's your next step, right? What's the next move for you? The thing that you want more than anything, is it to continue coaching and to continue making champions? Is it to be a champion yourself? Is it to run no. whatever? What's the next step for you and what's the ultimate goal? Straight up, Arce, is to take over the world, man. That's it. <laughs> to take over the world. And all, you know, take all the gold. Yeah. Take all the gold. Take all the crowns and take it all, man. But what I really want is I really want that green. Because you know what? I've earned it, man. I've done it. I I'm enjoying myself. This The reason why I haven't even jumped into the USADA pool, guys, you know why? Because I'm serious about not ever fighting again. Mm -hmm. And if you really want me to fight... Show me the money, and I will put my I, I will put myself in on that Monday. It's like I was talking to Ali's Ali's like, "Hey man, get him to your starter point." I'm like Ali, I can't do that, man, because I if Dana White really wants to see me fight, because it's up to him. Ultimately, right. I know the crowd wants to see me fight, man. I'm an entertainer. You ever see somebody pull on some crazy ass snake, whip the shit on the ground, throwing out <laughs> pillows, kicking them? You know what I'm saying? Like that, like that's the shit that I'm doing. Like I'm not saying to start a union. What I'm saying is pay me, right? Hey, you heard you the man. Pay the man, DC. Get <laughs> hey, the Henry, man paid. Henry. Hey, Henry. <laughs> listen, Henry. his right hand. Boy, Henry, boy. I tell you, man, you are a proud Mexican boy. They don't like you and that lady the other day, though. I got text messages <laughs> from people in Gilroy saying, Henry Cejudo. Henry, does it bother you a little bit? Be honest. Don't lie, Henry. It bothers you. No, not really, DC. You know why, dude? Because my loyalty is to my friends, man. Like I, I don't, I don't put uh, uh, whether you're black, Mexican, black, purple, blue. Like to me, it's loyalty to the person. It's loyalty to the dream that that person has to, that wants to accomplish. And when mm -hmm. he approached me, he wants to come and train with me. He's like, "Hey, bro, I will do whatever I can." When somebody says that they only have your back, bro, I got your back. Even if that means my Mexican people are going to turn their back on me, because in reality, man, that's just that. That's not the way we know. We should all be one. Yep. Like, you know, when, 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 when Yuri comes out here, I'm going against a Brazilian, so now it's me against Brazil now, you know? <laughs> like, but, like, like, I go at it again, dude. To me, it's all about winning. To me, whatever it is that I can convey to that person so that they can become the best in the world, I will do. Even if that means me getting death threats, freaking calling me, a, you know, a, a brown on the outside, whatever on the inside. Like, you know, it's all good in the hood, man. <laughs> man, we appreciate Henry, you, hey, man. Thank man. you. <laughs> hey, Henry, you're the man, dog. Thank you so much. Everything you say is true, and the one thing you will never deny is that Henry Cejudo is an absolute champion. Yes, he is. Congratulations on Deuce de Gata, Davidson Figueredo, and good luck with Yuri Prohoshka, my friend. Good luck, my brother. Hey, I tell you what, man. Henry Cejudo was <laughs> everything that I thought he was going to be, dog. He was actually, you know, DC, I didn't know if he'd, you know, come on because he trained John and be a little nicer to you, bro, you know, and be a little laid back. <laughs> but he came with the crown. He came with the fire. And that <laughs> was a dope interview, man. Dude, the dude is out of his mind, Ryan. But ultimately, dude's a winner. And yep. you know what? Last weekend, we had multiple winners. So it's time for us to go back to UFC 270 and hand out some grades. So Ryan Clark, Carpet Jake, you got it? Who's doing it? I, I got gotcha. you. Let's start with Carpet Francis Ngannou. You know Francis what, DC? Ngannou, DC, Ryan, do you want to go Francis judging? first or do I go Francis first? It, it doesn't matter. It's a, you know what? You're wearing a three-piece suit. Yeah. You look like you're ready. Hey, you coughing fresh. You coughing fresh today. Casket fresh. 
So why don't you go first? I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a B, DC. And here's why I'm gonna give him a B. And an A performance would have been a totally dominant physical performance over Cyril Gan. And, and you know what that means? That means a knockout. That was the performance we wanted to see from Francis Ngannou. And on his feet, I feel like he was being outclassed. But I give him a B because of the adjustment. Because he understood it's about winning. It's not about style points. It's about getting that belt around your waist after the fight. And I thought Francis Ngannou did everything he needed to do to get that. Yeah, you know, honestly, Ryan, I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give him a B, but a B minus. Because I agree with John Jones. If you watch that, you gain confidence from seeing him fight in that way. Her, you know, whatever. Having to wrestle, yes, impressive. But it's not the guy that has knocked people's head to the moon. So, yes, I will give him a B, but I'm going to give him a B- because I know that Francis can be so much better than he was on Saturday night. Corporate Jake. All right, time for his opponent's grade. Surreal gone. DC? You know, I'm, I'm going to give Cyril gone a, a C-, minus, um, or actually a C. I'm going to give him a C uh, because a C is average. And I thought the fight was... Good early, bad in the middle, and then just a mistake cost him in round number five. So I'm going to give him average because Cyril, again, will look back on this and really learn from it. Now, do I think that Cyril Gunn will still be a champion at some point in his career? Yes. I just think that this is a learning experience that he will have to build from, and I think that he has the team in place to get that done. But I'm giving him a C. I'm going to give him an average score. I'm going to give him a C minus. You didn't want to give him the minus. I'm going to give him the minus. I'm going to give him... I give him the C for the performance, right? When when you don't when you don't win in, in in fighting, it doesn't necessarily mean you failed because it could mean that the other person was just better, and that's what it was this night. I don't feel like Cyril Gan laid it on the line like you have to when you're trying to take the belt from the champion. That's the yep. minus to me that he didn't say. You know what? This isn't going my way. As of now, I'm probably not going to win it. I have to do everything I can possibly do to win this fight. It almost seemed to me like at some point he thought to himself, I have time. And that's not necessarily always true in this sport. You don't always no, you know don't that it's going to get back. Exactly. That it's going to come around again. So I give Cyril a C minus. What's up, Corporate Jake? All right, we'll move to the co-main event in the uh, new flyweight champion, RC, Grade Davison Figueredo's performance. Oh, I give him an A. I give him an A. Davidson Figueredo didn't beat a guy who wasn't game. He didn't beat a bad Brandon Moreno. He beat an actually a very good Brandon Moreno, and he beat him in a different style than we've seen him win fights previously in his career. So this not only, this not only isn't a passing grade, he excelled. It's an A for Davidson Figueredo for me. I completely agree with you, RC. I give him an A. I give him... I'm never going to give an A+, because an A-plus has to be absolutely that's perfect. That's perfection. Yep, that's perfection. Right? That's perfection, and perfection never really happens inside the octagon. But as close to perfect as you can fight in that scenario, I think Davison Figueredo did that. And so I'm going to give him an A, because for all the reasons you said, Brandon Moreno was on par with Davison Figueredo. He just came up a little short. So I'm giving him an A for that. Corporate Jake, what you got? All right, if you gave Figueredo an A, DC, what are you giving Brandon Moreno? A B. I'm giving him right below him because he did not fight bad. No. I may even give him a B plus. That's, I was about because to say, DC. He is yep. just a little bit less than what Davidson Figueredo got. You, you got to remember, 
it comes down to moments. And mm -hmm. the moment that won Davis in the fight was the knockdown in round number five. Yep. So we're talking about 24 minutes outside of the knockdown. Where where the these same. two <laughs> were exactly the same, yep. as close as you can get in a title fight. So I'm giving Brandon Moreno a B plus, man. He fought well, and he can build from this. And like Ryan said earlier, a fourth fight is warranted. So you can't feel too bad yep. about losing your belt in the trilogy. No, I, I absolutely. I give him a B plus as well, DC. I thought, I thought he fought as well as he could have fought for those five rounds without winning. If that makes sense to you, that he was right on the cusp of winning. The the judges' scorecards are what they are. I I also agree with the decision, but had had his name been announced and his hand held up in the air as the champion, I'm not sure many of us would have disagreed. All right, guys, one more. Uh, Michelle Pajeda was victorious in his welterweight bout on the main card. RC, what grade would you give him? I give him a B. Uh, um, I, I give him a B because he, he won the fight and he also dealt with adversity. This wasn't... The, the, the normal let's backflip off the cage, uh, the dudes on the ground, I'm going to flip on top of him instead of, you know, getting in and mount. It wasn't that fight for him. You saw him adjust to the pressure that was put on him in the first round, uh, get cut and come back and be a more disciplined fighter and then finish the fight throwing bows right? Trying to put his <laughs> opponent out. And so to me, that's a B performance for him uh, because it wasn't perfect. Um, it wasn't an A because I don't feel like it was that, that type of dominant, but it is more than a passing grade. And for him, to me, it shows growth and evolution in the fighter that he is. You know, I'm going to give him a B minus. You know, Pajeda fought well, um, but the, the minus is for the circumstances. Andre Fialo, took that fight on very short notice. He was able to pressure Michelle Pajeda. He was able to have a lot of success early. But Michelle gets that B because of the adjustments he made. His cardio held up beautifully. The body kick was ultimately what allowed for him to break Fialo down. And as the fight went longer, you can see that Michelle was starting to take over. But here's the problem, right? Michelle knew about the fight long before. So what if Fialo was more prepared. Yeah. What if Fialo had the same training camp? Right. Does Fialo win the fight? Because it seemed as though early he was well he was. on his way to doing exactly that. That's why I give Pajeda a B-. minus. But the reality is Michelle Pajeda has now won four fights in a row. He has now shown that he can really stay within himself and not make mistakes that cost him fights inside the octagon. The dude is insanely powerful, and he puts a lot of hurt yeah. on his opponents. As you saw, Andre Fialo was very beat up at the end of the fight against Michelle Pajeda. Ryan, great grades. I feel like we're a little nice with our grades. I spoke about Michelle Pajeda hurting people, but let's toss to another guy <laughs> that is in the hurt business. Not the hurt he business. He was the leader of the hurt business, and he's fighting Brock Lesnar on Saturday, or he's wrestling Brock Lesnar on Saturday for the WWE Championship. We are now going to be joined by my man, Bobby Lashley. Guys, now it's time for one round with my guy, the almighty... Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley, what's going on, my friend? Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, yes. Royal Rumble. How excited are you to be in such a big match this weekend? Man, I'm excited. Um, you know, you know, Brock. Brock's that, Brock's that guy that just kind of jumps back and forth. I mean, I yeah. know, DC, you had that time yeah. where you guys were going to square off. Um, 
And for me, it's been like 20 years. Everybody, as soon as I came to WWE, people were saying Bobby and Brock, Bobby and Brock. Yeah. And over yeah. time, you know, I never said no. Um, so I never knew why it didn't happen. So um, it's finally happening now, and it's 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 cool. It's a good buildup. Bobby, so when you talk about a dude, a dude like Brock, right, and he's kind of this bigger than life, not only actual human, but but figure. And now you're in that in that same arena. Do you take pride in how far you've come in your WWE career? Oh, absolutely. Um, I just came back after. 17 years. I mean, I took a 10 year off and mm-hmm. then came back. I mean, so it's my, my career has been crazy. I started back in WWE in 2004. Right. And, and we're in 22 yep. right now and I'm still doing this. Yep. So, um, and then, and then being at the level that I'm at right now, I'm not coming back less than I came back more than I came back. I worked my ass off to get back and, and, and winning the WWE championship and then coming back and now having this match against Brock to regain the WWE championship, man. Uh, I'm living a dream. Bob, you know, when you took that break, before you left, you had held titles, but mm-hmm. you had never truly been in the championship picture. But since you came back, yeah. you've held titles. And I got to be honest, Bob, I took a lot of pride in seeing you finally hoist that championship over your shoulders. You know, obviously we all congratulate you on social media, but to be involved at this level mm-hmm. and to be a guy that is viewed as if he can compete with Brock Lesnar, because guess what? Brock's national champ. You're yep. a national champ. Brock's WWE champ. You're a WWE champ. Brock fought. You fought. You match him on every single level. So how do you expect the match to play out on Saturday night? I think, man, it's, it's one of those fun matchups that people want to see. It's not going to be a pro. It's not just going to be a pro wrestling match. Right. Um, because we have all these that you said. I think people want to see the wrestling. See, they they want to see us just wrestle against it. Who's going to get the most takedowns? Who's going to get the first takedown? People want to see that. And then they want to see who can fight. If, we, if this thing breaks down to a fight, who's going to want to fight between um, Brock and I? A lot of people have talked about that. And then now in pro wrestling, I think we got to give them a little bit of everything for this match. And I think that's what's going to happen because it's not just going to be a tie-up, shoulder tackle, shoulder tackle that two big men would do. Me and Brock have so much more than that. I think we might try to fight for that first takedown and see who gets it. <laughs> right. um, and, and then we can go from there. I think there's a lot of things Bob, that the, we can play with. But, Bob, the blast double. I mean, you got to have belief and faith in the blast double that you <laughs> to the spear now. you got to have faith that your patented blast double from wrestling won't be able to knock Brock Lesnar off his feet. Man, I, I'd knock him off his feet. I knocked down houses with that thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that's gonna, that was going to be be my question. You know, DC just listed all of the parallels between you and Brock Lesnar, and obviously the thing that sticks out to me is when y'all say fight, right? Because I'm from New Orleans, and that's the one thing I can relate to is a fight. What are the differences, though, that you have to take from, you know, from from wrestling competitively and then obviously fighting? And then now when you move into the WWE, because it's not good enough to be able to have a good double leg takedown. Right. It's not good enough to be able to have a good tackle off the ropes for you. You also have to be able to entertain. You have to be able to engage and make people want to see you in that ring. What are some of the things you've taken from? all the stuff you learned in your different organizations that's made you a champion now? I, I think it, just what you said, it's, it's everything. Um, before when I came, when I first started, um, there were the likes of the JBLs, the Booker T's, yeah. Big Shows, Undertaker, all these different guys went on a roster, and it was about the fight. Mm-hmm. It was about the fight. But um, now it's, it's a little bit different okay. because you have different characters involved all around the um, – 
all through the roster. So right now it was like just trying to figure out things and put things together that it made sense. Okay, so I took that time off to fight for a while. I can't forget about that when I come back. Mm-hmm. So the original thing that we did, we we ran with this herd business, and what the herd business was was taking oh, I these love um, the herd business. new school guys. I love the herd business. <laughs> it's taking these new school guys and throwing that that old school mentality. Like you got to get mean, and that's what I said. I mean, even in this video that you guys are playing, it was about getting mean. And that's what the hurt business is about, and people liked it. Mm-hmm. But we still had that level of respect for ourselves, and we wanted to hold it, hold up a little bit of honor. You know, I got kids coming up, and as a black athlete, we're viewed in a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah. So the hurt business was like. We're gonna have suits on and stuff. We're gonna come in there clean, right? RC, like you know, the three piece. DC don't know about this, Bobby. You see it. You see the three piece. piece. You know what? You see the three piece on him, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) We had that three piece on, but we also say, you know, you take off this jacket, it's time to throw these boots. So we were showing a little bit of everything, and and I liked it because it 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 came. It showed as a black athlete. It didn't show us as. You know, typically we're coming down dancing or, right. or we got to be thugs or anything like that. We're not. None yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. I love that, I mean, bro. I love that. <laughs> it was a different you image. Know, Bob, and I think that image went well. You know, Bob, I, I love the Hurt Business. I love the work you and MVP do together. Y'all y'all are too fast, talking smooth brothers out there. I love that. Um, but, Bobby, let me ask you this. You said you started this in 2004. It's 18 years down the line. Yeah. Are you still yeah. having fun? And how are you How are you still having fun doing it? And also, for all that you have accomplished, have accomplished, you won the WWE Championship, mm-hmm. but to beat Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble, that has to be the crowning achievement for a Bobby Lashley as you head into Saturday night. So does this feel bigger to you yeah. opposed to when you fought and won the WWE Championship? Uh, man, I, I, it's, it's hard. It's hard because there's a lot of things here. Um, I would say that I can't really say that one thing is so much greater than the other, but Brock is, you know, he's been one of the biggest names of the wrestling business, the biggest name of the fight business. He he has that name. So to be able to have a, a win over him is, is definitely going to be a crowning achievement. It's going to be something that I hold really, really high on my list of achievements in this building. But I don't want to take away from some of the other guys. Like I beat Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania last year, which Drew is going to be the history of this business. He's going to be the future of of the wrestling business. I can see that guy doing things that he's going to transcend the wrestling business Mm -hmm. over time. So he's a big name that hasn't blossomed, but it's going to be something that I look back on and say, that could have been one of my biggest matches. But right Mm -hmm. now, I mean, to have a win over Brock and to beat him for that WWE championship, um, I, I think it's going to be right there on the on the top, if not the top two, top three, or whatever. It's going to be definitely at the top. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this, Bobby. You know, I, I'm not as tough as either one of you two. I don't ever claim to be, but when I look at what you have coming, bro, it's like the Super Bowl to me. Like yeah. this is this is this is an event that. Not only won't you forget, but we won't we won't forget, man. So for you to take some time and spend with me in DC, bro, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate it. Best of luck, man. We can't wait to see you, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. It was an honor. It was an yeah. honor. Good to see you again, DC. And <laughs> yeah. um, My man. we got real with the hurt business, man. All you got to do is come. <laughs> I got to lose some weight. I'm about to, to say, you better have a lot of room like in the hurt business. Hey, I got to lose some weight to look as good as y'all in those suits do, Bobby Lashley. Hey, my brother. Bob, again, man, thank you so much. I'm so proud of you for all that you accomplished, knowing your way back in the day, all the way back to Missouri Valley and Colby Community College. 
Good luck this weekend, my brother. Kick some butt. Guys, you can watch Bobby Lashley challenge Brock Lesnar January 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock at the Royal Rumble as he chases down another WWE championship. Bobby, thank you, my friend. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys. The almighty Bobby Lashley. I'll tell you what, DC. DC, I might get in the gym with him and get a little swollen. You could get a little ripped up too, bro. Get your three-piece on. Hey, the boy face looks strong. Like, Ryan, like this part? Hey, Ryan, right like, here, the jawbone, no, right? When was the last time you seen somebody jaw look that strong? Like, this hey. dude jaw. I'm going to tell you what. I'm tapping out on working out with Bobby Lashley. But let's see what we're going to tap in on. We got a little tap in, tap out. What was my guy, Corporate Jake? Our own Daniel Cormier had himself quite the fight week while in Anaheim. First, he okay. took the yes. ice while skating with the Anaheim Ducks, then took his talent oh, skateboarding oh. on the weigh-in show. Oh, so, yeah. RC, oh, tap yeah. in or tap out on Daniel needs to stick to MMA and commentating? I tap in he missed. 100%. I 100% <laughs> tap in that my dog is an amazing, amazing fighter, a A1 analyst, but he clearly has no other athletic <laughs> abilities, and that's what it is. DC, crazy. stick to hey, what you listen. know, bro. Hey, no, listen. I am the most elite athlete the UFC has ever seen. Bro, look at the skateboard shirt. Maybe the skateboard. Look Maybe at the that, skateboard. DC. But dude, I hit. I stopped some Bro. bucks in hockey. I actually was able to DC, make you look like on one of ice. your legs shorter than the other. Look hey, at no. you, bro. Look <laughs> at you, hey, bro. It's like, look, watch, watch, Ryan, watch, watch, watch. Ryan, I have mastered. <laughs> Ryan, I have mastered the ability bro. to fall. Listen, bro. when gravity takes hold of this body and you start to fall and you can be that graceful, that's a real skill, Duh. Ryan Clark. You look like you are knock kneed, <laughs> pigeon toed, and bow leg, bro. All at the same my time. Legs are, my legs hurt so <laughs> bad by the time I took those skates off, dog. I cannot believe I'm tapping out. Tap out. tap out, man. I no, I'm tapping in on you coming back to doing athletic things and not that. What's <laughs> what we got, Corporate Jake? All right, top lightweight contender Dan Hooker is moving back down to featherweight, a division he has not competed in since 2016. He will take on Arnold Allen in London in March. DC, tap in or tap out on Hooker moving back down to his original UFC weight class. I'm tapping in. I think Dan Hooker needed a change, yep. right? He was... He had gotten beat by Michael Chandler. He got mm -hmm. dominated by Islam Makhachev. And it showed that he just doesn't have the physical stature to go with those guys at that weight class. So, um, yeah, tap in. Go back down. Fight guys more your size. And honestly, he's getting a big featherweight, talented young featherweight in Arnold Allen. This is, uh, this is perfect. It's going to be a fun fight in London. Yeah, I, I tap in on this because if you think about three of – um, Dan Hooker's last four fights, right? You got Poirier, uh, Chandler, Makachev. It does seem that the bigger fighters have just given him too much trouble. And he's also, of some of the top guys, by not beating those guys, kind of taking himself out of contention in that weight class. So to me, I tap in on going back down, kind of rejuvenating your career, starting over in a sense, and now putting your imprint on a smaller weight class. So I'm going with go on, do it. I'm tapping in. <laughs> All right, guys, capping off this past weekend, the Bills and Chiefs put on a show. Mm -hmm. They combined for 25 points in the final two minutes of regulation Crazy. with the Chiefs pulling out on top. Crazy. DC, tap in or tap out that the Chiefs-Bills was the greatest playoff game of all time. Ooh. I I'm tapping in, right? Now, I don't have the knowledge that my man Ryan knows about football. He has seen more football. But as a fan, right, as a guy that's just watching from the outside, I've never seen anything like it. Because for a while... 
Nobody could score points. Nobody could do anything to score points. And all of a sudden, you can't stop anybody. Now, my question is for my friend Ryan here. What happened, Ryan? What happened to the defense? Are these guys just so exhausted that they can't stop the opposing team? Or is, I mean, is the offensive game plan just building over the course of the game? Because, dude, it exploded and it made for some fun TV. Yeah. It made for the best game that I have ever watched as a consumer. But to the insiders, you guys got to be looking at it like, what the hell is going on? You know, just in recent times, you know, Philadelphia, New England, Super Bowl. I thought that was an excellent game. Uh, New England, KC, NKC when Tom wins. That was a great game. The New Orleans Saints and the Rams, for different reasons, was a great yeah, game. Yeah, but that was, man, that was crap. They Min- cheated in that game. Minnesota. And now Sean Payne's leaving. Look hey, at what happened. You the, see, this uh, all this stuff. The Minneapolis Miracle. Right? Yeah, that was ridiculous. Another yeah. great game. Thank you for just sticking the knife in my back, Ryan. I, yeah, I thought Thank about it after like I said the first one. I'm gonna go, I'm on. gonna go with tap in for this reason. I have never seen two quarterbacks so talented play at the top of their talent. I've yeah. never seen that in my life. Two two dudes so good play Bro. almost perfect football perfect. games. For their skill set, never seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, wish that some defense would have been played, but it wouldn't have made for as fun what of the game. What happens in that situation, though, right? Like, why are those guys like? D- why can't they? DC, stop I anymore? don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if we can say this on ESPN Plus. Um, <laughs> there's a saying that your booty hole get tight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm oh, talking yeah, about? You hey. Oh, yeah, I know exactly. You know, I know that saying. Hey, you know what I'm talking about, DC? You and get nervous, bro. You be nervous as hell, bro. Like, these dudes are playing out of their mind, and you just know you got to stop them. And, man, mm-hmm. you just get to the point where you're like, I don't know if I can do it. And I think that's what <laughs> – they were more confident in their skills than the defenders were in the skills that they possessed. Man, I don't even want to talk about defenders getting burnt up no more. Hey, Come them, on, Jake. Hey, them dudes, hey, them dudes look lost out there, man. Come on, Jake, give us again. Guys, our favorite league outside of the UFC is back. <laughs> Pillow Fighting Championship pay-per-view Pound Down is this Saturday and features former UFC fighter and McGregor's first opponent, Marcus Brimage. So, RC, tap in or tap out spending your Saturday night watching oh some pillow God. fighting. Oh, hey, well, oh she got dropped. Here's why I tap in just now. I was about to tap out. Are they letting people that are this disproportionate in size fight each other? Because if so, I'm going to tap in because that means somebody might go to sleep with one of these pillows if we got 110 pounders fighting 140 pounders. But well, this is absurd. This, <laughs> this is absurd. I mean, this is absurd. And, and Ryan, Marcus Brimage is going to be fighting in Pillow Fight Championship. He fought like, McGregor at some point. Yeah, and, like, like what's what going on? And also, what's the salary for a pillow fight championship fight? Like, it's not high. How much? Are, I mean, not how high. much is everybody getting paid to go pillow fight? It's not I high, mean, DC. And, and right, and what's in the pillow? What is it worth to fight the pillow? Like, I mean, five hundred bucks. Is it five? Is it worth five hundred dollars to go on pillow fight? What's you crazy like, is it's I'm on pay per view, bro. It's on pay per view, and so that means but somebody got, making hey, some money for twelve ninety nine, DC. Well, <laughs> and they got some sick people in this world, DC. Let me tell you something. They got some sick people in this world, man. I'm tell- One time I was talking to Roxanne Mataferi. She said that people always ask her for her socks. Her socks. So people want to watch pillow fighting, man. I, I don't. And I'm definitely not watching pillow fights. Especially when they, got, when they got football games on. Especially the way that the playoffs have been this year. Every game ending on like a field goal outside of Kansas City and, and uh, the Bills last weekend. I'm watching football, man. I'm not gonna they be say, watching it's people on Saturday, switch pillows though. at each other. It's on Saturday. We'll be playing on Sunday this week. Both games are Sunday. Yep. 
Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna do something else, man. I, I'm gonna spend my time doing something else. I don't know what. But hey, I'm spend my time doing something all else. I can say, DC, that's a great place to to wrap the show because none of us want to watch pillow fighting. I am intrigued if there are no weight classes though, because imagine me pillow fighting you. That might be fun. You know, I throw a little <laughs> shoulder in there. Uh, ARC. RC, I, I like to schedule Corporate Jake for a pillow fighting competition yes. because guess what? People don't realize how massive Corporate Jake corporate is. Jake like, ain't a little dude. Corporate, corporate Jake's like 6'7", 290 pounds. Like, I'm just, okay, maybe he's not that big. But, but no, corporate we Jake can make Corporate Jake giant. as big as we want to. Nobody's ever seen him. They just hear his voice. <laughs> just yeah, a voice. It's fine. <laughs> and he's kind of got a soft voice. You know what I'm saying, right? I got a little soft voice, you know Yo, you think I want to throw, throw corporate Jake down? What about this really show? Throwing corporate Jake down. You got to think. What about this show, though, man? We had we had Triple C, we had Bobby mm-hmm. Lashley, went over two seventy. We understand That's what's it. going That's on. That's it. I'd like to see corporate Jake versus Bobby Lashley in the main event. I don't want to see that. Slam. I don't want to see that. They're about the same size. Corporate Jake versus Bobby Lashley. The Almighty. The invitation is out there. You versus corporate Jake for that WWE Championship. You hey, can win on Saturday we night. We need corporate Jake here, Bob bro. Lesnar. We need Corporate Jake here. That's my boy RC. We're going to see y'all next week. Peace. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.